I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 128. Guess who's back, back, <laughs> back, back again. Short of breath, breath. <laughs> Tell a friend. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. And y'all, buckle up. Because it's gonna be a long intro. Oh shit! Yeah. Skip on forward if you want to, because we're about to go into some stories. Like twenty minutes. I'm just telling y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell time. <laughs> oh, I start. Well, it's your story. You start. You're a good storyteller. Tell me. Am I though? I mean, no, but. <laughs> <laughs> It all started, picture it, <laughs> two weeks ago. This has been like a time vortex. It really has. I, I'm i like, it was last week. And she's like, no. Or I'm like, it was like a month ago. And she's like, no. <laughs> I'm just not right. Actually, like four weeks. Because I, y'all know I've been having to go to the dermatologist with my skin and everything. I got to a new dermatologist. And they are giving me these shots for allergies. First time ever. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But they're not allergy shots. They're shots for the itching. The itching, yes. It's Dupixent. If y'all if y'all are familiar, I feel your pain. Well, later on, I was wheezy when we would record some, you know, and it's just like, why are you wheezy? I mean, like, I'm pretty sure there's a, a blooper of me telling you you <laughs> sound like wheezy from Toy Story 2. <laughs> like, and I'm like, I don't know if I've been wheezing some. And so then I was like... Maybe I had like a little allergic reaction to the allergy shots, which isn't weird because they had some like really great pills and they were like, this is going to help you sleep too. And I was allergic to those. So no. And recently developed a whole new allergy to this girl can't even fucking take uh, melatonin anymore. And that's like in your fucking body. I don't even understand. It's probably like the color, like Mm -hmm. red 29, I'm allergic to. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so then two weeks later, I get a double dose of the shot. A little bit later, like we go to eat and I'm wearing a different mask and stuff. And I'm like, God, this mask must be like heavier because I can't breathe well, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it is heavier. You know, all the things. In the time of COVID, this mask is heavy. Uh (laughs) Like, What? But then it was just like, why am I out of breath going from my room to the kitchen, which is not a long way? And I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, like, I don't know. You, I try to reason things away. As people do on hauntings, I do on health stuff. Do as we say, not as we do. Yes. <laughs> Go to the fucking doctor. Yes. Well, so we really thought it was an allergic reaction because it was like, oh, well, they gave me a double dose when they normally go down to just one shot. So if I was allergic to it and wheezy, like, oh, shit, this might be it. So it was on a Friday before my birthday. I was off that day, tried to get a doctor's appointment because, again, I was like, let me just go to my primary, let him give me a shot, and I'll be good to go. He didn't have anything open, so I was going to go Monday. It's like, cool, cool, cool. Still have my birthday. Do all the things, i.e. swim and grill out. Well, Friday night, I was more out of breath than usual. But again, I was like, it's okay. Saturday, I woke up 
and it's my birthday and it's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. But I'm still like just in bed for a while, which isn't like me because I am not a lounger. I like to sit straight up. (laughs) I don't know. That is comfortable to me. I went to like get up to go to the bathroom and I just kind of like fell back on the bed, like kind of fainted, but not fainted, like just really dizzy. And I was like, hmm, that's not normal. But again, it's my birthday. We're going to have fun. I went and got food for my dad, went up to give it to him. There's like two stairs and they're weird stairs. Like they're not steep at all. But like going up those and into the house, I was like, let me get to a chair. Please don't die. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pass out. And my dad's in a wheelchair and only one hand works. Like he can't help me. Nor does he use a phone. Yeah, not at all. And Tiffany is deaf in my... Yeah, she was with me. Tiffany's deaf in my car, so she, you know what I mean? Like, because apparently my car is soundproof because it legit is. I was like trying to yell for Carrie, and I'm like yelling. She's right outside the thing, and she had no idea. Anyway, I get back in the car, and I'm like, Tiffany, I don't think I can swim today. Like, I almost passed out. Like, it was a moment of my legs are noodles, and just get me to the thing and sit and breathe. She's like, well, okay, okay, you know, whatever. Get to Carrie's. And I, like, tell them, I don't think I can swim. And so we just play games because when I'm sitting, it's okay. Again, I'm out of breath, like, when I'm talking, but it's okay. So we ate, played games. Also, I didn't want to be alone because, you know, if I passed out, Marley would give me side eye and do nothing. Well, turn 35. Please note, though. The minute she said, I don't think I can swim because she can't fucking breathe, we should have loaded up. I know. But what did we do? We cried. (laughs) Well, it's your birthday. You can cry if you want to. Well, you cried too, though. Yeah, well. (laughs) It's your birthday. I can cry if I fucking want to. (laughs) It's your house, I guess, right? Well, then Sunday, I woke up, could not make it to, like, all the way in my bathroom that's attached to my bedroom. And I was sitting on the bed, like, trying to catch my breath, freaking out. And I was like, Carrie, yeah, I need you to take me to the ER. Like, this is not normal. I cannot wait till Monday because this isn't, this isn't right. Y'all know your girl, both of us, extra large pizzas, right? Mm-hmm. So we get to this freaking ER, which, look, there's two hospitals here. One is really awesome. I mean, every hospital has flaws. The other one, meh. Well, we went to the meh because I just happened to know that the good hospital was on diversion because, hello, COVID, there's all these fucking patients and it's fucking full. So I was like, if this hospital is on diversion, Donna may end up in like Jackson Mobile. Who the fuck knows where they're going to send her if they can't keep her, you know? And also, I still think it's just a really bad allergic reaction and my doctor is affiliated with that eh, hospital. So I was like, well, I can, he can look at everything easily on Monday. Cause mm-hmm. you know, thought it was just going to be a trip to the ER, come home, go to the doctor, but it was not. So we pull up to said ER and I get out. And first of all, no one helps. I get out. There is only a very, personal pan size pizza chair wheelchair up in the lobby. And I was like, um, y'all y'all got some big girl chairs? And they're like, 
Oh, uh, yeah, there's probably some, like, at the other entrance. So, like, go outside to go to the other entrance, because that's closer than going all the way through the hospital to the other fucking entrance. And it's fucking closed because of COVID. They want everybody going through one entrance because it's Sunday. So I came back and I was like, there's no fucking chair. So Donna's like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I'm like, well, she can't fucking do it, but okay. <laughs> and she gets out. Finally, this person brings a wheelchair. Well, I you make it like uh, to a chair. Yeah, I make it to get my temperature taken. And there's a chair and Carrie's like, I'm moving this over and you sit here. Yeah, I was like, I, I mean, I'm getting this. Reg- like, this is happening. Yeah. And so she finally like sent somebody to go get a wheelchair. And then they, anyway, okay, moving on. So I go to fill out Donna's intake forms <laughs> because, you know, can't breathe. He, let me just do it for you. Well, I panic signed it. <laughs> her it, and it, her panics. <laughs> well, it was like, it said like. Legal guardian. Well, no, it said something like, like, who are you? Like, who's with you kind of thing. And so I put put my name in there and said relationship instead of saying, friend, I wrote BFF. Who <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> like, it just, it, my hand just did it. <laughs> it was like, mm-mm-mm. Okay, well. And then at the bottom, it said, <laughs> And asked for this signature, and I signed it and wrote BFF, and I was like, I don't think I was supposed to sign this. <laughs> yeah, it's for your legal guardian <laughs> if you're a kid or yourself. And so then I had to sign on the same line and put <laughs> self. <laughs> so I handed it to the registration girl, and I go, I panicked, signed it, <laughs> and she just went. Cricket, cricket, nothing. I was like, she don't get our humor. So all of that to say, thank y'all so much for the outpouring of love. Donna and I read all the responses. Some of them freaking made me cry. I mean, like, oh gosh, yeah, it was just y'all are amazing and y'all rallied. And I really believe that all of the positive things that y'all sent to Donna is what healed her. And we appreciate it so freaking much. Definitely. I I think I told someone, someone checked on me and I was like, honestly, I think all, like you said, all of the good vibes, well wishes, prayers, whatever. People lit candles, like. Yeah, all of that really did help me get stronger. I'm getting stronger on the daily. I was in a really bad place and I'm not anymore. Yep. Donna and I bonded on all new levels again. You you know, (laughs) But that's just what friends do because she did this shit for me last summer. And I mean, this is this is what friendship's about. And I'm so thankful that she's still here. Me too. Because I told her, if you die, I will kill you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, though, uh, Creep Mom, Teresa B., she sent me someone to take care of me because for a while I had to have people still with me 24-7. She was like, since I can't be there, I'm sending someone. So I'm like, what the hell? Like, who, what, when, where, why, how? It was a uh, dibic douche, y'all. Not the, not the, the not, man. Not the man. The cardboard cutout that's on my desk. <laughs> He's looming over me, <laughs> watching me. <laughs> yeah, 
I should bedazzle his jeans. Oh, my God. I really should. But it was great. And just thank y'all. Seriously, it's humbling and uplifting. And it was a lot to take in. Like, because I still have brain fog, y'all. I don't understand. Like, half the time I'm like, what, Carrie? Like, in the hospital, I'm just be like, what? What they? What do they mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. I was overwhelmed. But then, like, with y'all's support and everything, like, it it really helped. Also, because I didn't have my cray-cray medicine, y'all calmed me down, like, reading all of that. And, like, it really did. So, everyone knows that I've been laid up, just trying to recover. And so, I've been binging a lot of shit. A lot. Well, one thing I came across was a series called The Haunting Of, and it would be of a famous person. So, I watched several episodes, but I knew I had to cover one because I freaking love this person, and it was an interesting episode. It's season four, episode five, and what I'm going to be talking about is The Haunting of (laughs) T-Pain. Oh my God, I'm here for this. That is not who I was expecting you to say. Loretta Lynn, yes. I've already done her. I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Reba, probably. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's the only people I could think of. <laughs> I don't know why those are the two. Okay, if you're not familiar with him, he is an award winning rapper, music producer, actor, you know, jack of all trades. His songs are I'm in love with the stripper, buy you a drink, bartender, so many more to name, but those are like my favorite. All right. So picture it. Roswell, Georgia. T-Pain and his wife, Amber, moved their family into their dream home. This was going to be their little slice of heaven where they could be a family and just relax. T-Pain had been on the road a lot and stuff. And so this was like their refuge. All was good for a while, but really a year into living there, things were happening too often to be coincidences. It started out like most hauntings do. They heard some strange noises that they couldn't place the source of. They felt cold spots, saw something out of the corner of their eye, and so on. And T-Pain has always been a skeptic, so he tried to rationalize everything. But one night, he went into his bedroom, and Amber was already in bed just playing on her phone. So he slid into bed and kind of propped himself up on his side shoulder because he was plugging in his phone to charge. And (laughs) I just wanted to be like, celebrities, they're just like us. (laughs) I don't know. No, that's exactly what I was thinking. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I wonder if she's playing Candy Crush. I mean, probably not, but it's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) While he's doing this, he felt two hard taps on his shoulder. So he turned around and looked at Amber, thinking that she needed him because they were kind of hard. Like, so like, what is going on? But she was just like she was before on her phone. So she returned his strange look and was like, what? And he's like, what do you need? Like, you hit me hard. What do you need? And she was like, "Uh, no, I didn't. And if this was Carrie, she would be like, uh, I was playing a really hard level of Candy Crush and have unlimited lives. I don't have time to fuck with you. Or already asleep. Either of those two. This bitch got shade. (laughs) I mean, it's right. (laughs) Anyway, so after Amber swore up and down that she did not touch him, and he promised that he wasn't making this up, they just 
both sat there kind of scared of what this meant, but ultimately just chalked it up to being tired and such, and so they went to bed. Both secretly scared shitless, though. There was another incident soon. This one was in the morning, though. Amber was up before everyone else and started to get the kids up and ready for school. She went into music, their son, his room, to wake him up, and she was being all sweet, like, sweetie, time to get up, you know, all in a soothing voice. I don't know if that was soothing. It Um, wasn't. (laughs) She opened up the curtains to let some light in, hoping that would, you know, jostle him, but he remained asleep. So she sat down beside him and, like, just kind of shook him a little bit, but he still wasn't responding. And so then she pulled the old countdown, like, I'm going to count till five, and you better be up. Well, she got only two numbers out, and she felt a cold breeze on her back. And so she turned her head to see what was creating it, and what she found was an open door. And let me paint this picture for you. It's like a child-sized door in her son's room, just like a random wall, and it's like a little door. Like, we would have to crawl into it, like, hunker down to get into it. Like, it's a real door or, like, a door just appeared? No, it's a real door. Oh, okay. When she turned around, she saw a door. I was like, oh, fuck. How does door open? But it was open. So that is a thing. They never unlocked that door. Because T-Pain had, like, always felt uneasy about it. And it's because it's just odd. It's, you know, like a little small door. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't like it. It's locked. Like, let's just leave it be. Like, it's cool. So, again, she turned, saw that little door open. And while she's trying to wrap her mind around this, the door swings shut. And when it does, her son, Music, wakes up. He pointed to the door and said, Mommy, if you do circles with your hands, he goes away. What? Uh Uh-huh. And then he just went back to sleep. And so what kicks this experience up a notch on the creepy factor is that Amber tried the door handle to the little door, like, because she's going to see, you know, like, okay. Um, It was back locked. Like, nothing had happened. Uh Uh-uh. Another time that T-Pain was almost shitting himself was a night where he was sleeping and he was woke up by his daughter, Lyric. And it just happened to be, what time? Three o'clock. That's right. And she told him that there was a man standing in her doorway. And you would think he, like, shot up, ready to fight, like, whatever. But he's not because his father-in-law was living with them. And so he's like, it's probably granddad. And she's like, nope. I know what granddad looks like, and that ain't him. So T-Pain takes Lyric back up. He looks in the doorway. No one's there. He checked on the father-in-law, and he was asleep. So he's like, well, okay. You know, he tucked Lyric back in bed and stayed until she fell asleep. And then he went back to his room and just sat on the side of the bed trying to understand what's going on. How can he protect his family? All You know, all the things. And then all of a sudden, one of the bedroom doors slams shut, and then the other one does as well. And they're like on way opposite ends. So Amber wakes up in a panic, you know, and they're like, what the fuck happened? And so they're trying to reason it away of maybe it was the air, maybe, you know, anything. But 
our house is haunted, Mm -hmm. you know. Then there was a time that T-Pain and Amber were working out in a room that he calls, like, the club area. And Amber just kind of whispered, there's a man watching us work out. Uh Uh-uh. What? Yeah, because she can see him. Amber described him as being young, dressed in dated clothing, you know, and, like, flashy. In that same room, there was another incident where a pillow from the couch just flung itself across the room. No one was sitting there. It was just like a freak accident. So now on the show, The Haunting Of, the main woman is Kim Russo, who's a medium. And she visits the famous person and the place that they believe to be haunted and tries to give some answers. When she was on her way there, she was already getting some visions. She saw a young man who's dressed in period clothing, think like 20s style. She said that he was wealthy, a smooth talker, but she doesn't trust him. And she started smelling bourbon and just had a burning sensation like in her chest, stomach area, and visions of blood all over bed linens. Mm. And she was like, there's a lot of men there. All having the initial R, and they feel connected to T-Pain. The closer she got to the house, the more her anxiety rose. And she was like, yep, someone or something is trying to scare me and throw me off. When she was walking up to the house, she heard, welcome, my name is Joe. And like, he was trying to welcome her inside. And she's like, okay, someone's welcoming me here. That's not typical, Mm -hmm. but nice. Like, but, you know, like, she's feeling like a spirit not wanting her there. And then this spirit, like, come in. That is very Lumiere and Cogsworth. Oh, my God. I legit was about to say he's Lumiere. Mm Mm-hmm. Another thing she encountered before she even entered the house is that she saw a, a shadow figure pacing back and forth in the upstairs. And she said it was like he would peek out from the windows of every room, but pace back and forth. And she said that she could feel that the spirit was anxious. And she said, maybe he's scared that I'm going to out him and bring him into the light, you know? And so that's why he's pacing back and forth. But also remember how much anxiety she began to feel in the car. Mm -hmm. I think some of his nervous energy was like rubbing off on her. She finally goes inside to meet T-Pain and their exchange was so cute because I just love him. He is so... He's just so bubbly. And, like, I just love watching interviews with him and everything. Like, I don't know. Like, I want to be your friend. (laughs) Not stay over at your house, though. But she said, uh, should I call you T? And he was like, you can call me T. You can call me Payne. You can call me sir. You can call me ma'am. Just make sure that I know you're talking to me. Aw. But, like, I was just like, that's so cute. Like, I don't know. And just how she was like, should I call you T? (laughs) Like, I don't know. Yeah. At one point, they're talking about all the cars that T-Pain collects, and he's talking about them being vintage, and he just drops a little nugget and tells Kim that he once had a hearse that he bought from a funeral home that was going out of business. And, oh, yeah, it had a coffin in it. What? And so Kim's like, was the coffin empty? Like, Mm -hmm. and why did you buy a hearse? You know, like, she is just like, hmm, What? Well, he said, you know, coffin was empty and just thought, like, why not? Yeah, like, why not? 
no one else is doing it. Like, it's going to be cool. Like, I'm going to, you know, whatever. So Kim's like, well, a lot of souls traveled in that car and not all go to the light. So you bringing that hearse here might have been a catalyst for some of this activity. And then they go to that room that's called the club area. And so it has pool tables, TVs, couches, you know, other shit. Oh, and mannequins. When I saw it, I literally said, what the Fox Hollow Farm is going on here? Yeah, what? Also, like, it wasn't a pool, but it was pool tables. Mm -hmm. And he had mannequins. I'm just saying. Well, in this club area, Kim said that she feels a presence in the room and she believes it's the anxious one. And T-Pain agreed and said that people have seen the spirit dart from window to window and stuff. And so she's like, yeah. That's what happened when I was outside. That's what I saw. This is when Amber joins them and starts connecting the dots with some of the visions Kim was having earlier. Kim asked Amber about Joe and if she has anyone who's passed by that name. And her grandfather's name was Joseph. So Kim said that must have been him who was welcoming her inside. And he's acting as Amber's guardian angel and protector. Kim also tells T-Pain that she believes some of the spirits are his protectors, too, like uncles. And remember all the R names? Yeah, she got it because his uncle's name is Rick. And he comes to T-Pain in dreams. And she, like, mentioned that, and he was like, he does. He gives me guidance in my dreams. And then Kim's like, okay, well, who's Robert then? And it's T-Pain's dad who hasn't passed. And then she asked if he was on the wait list for a kidney, and T-Pain said no, a heart. And she's like, hmm, I see dialysis, though. And he's like, yeah, that's my brother. And then they go into some family drama, which, again, celebrities, they're just like us. (laughs) They're still in that club area, and Kim said that there's a presence that she can feel, and it's negative. And it's trying to get back into this world any way he can. So they definitely need all of the protection that they can get. And this is that young guy who they both describe separately. And you can see on Amber's face when Kim gives her description of what she sees, it's like a mixture of excitement and relief. Like, okay, I'm not just seeing things. This is real because their descriptions match up perfectly. He's described as wearing trousers, a vest, flashy rings, a brimmed hat, and has a mustache and a goatee. And again, is young, you know, but like fancy. And he gives off a really sad vibe, which Amber confirmed she does feel overcome with sadness when she feels him present. And he's the anxious guy who passes back and forth. And Amber's like, yes, I see him pacing all the time. Like, oh my God. So this is just all clicking for her. Right. Validation. Mm Mm-hmm. The next room they go into is the master bedroom. And Kim instantly says that there's a vibe in this room and it's making her very uncomfortable. She feels very heavy in her chest and overly anxious. And T-Pain and Amber are both like, yes, 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 that is what we feel. And again, they're just happy to have her reaffirm that they're not making this up. Mm -hmm. This is real. But Kim gives them some serious words. She's like, this is how spirits in your home break you down. They feed off of your fear. They make you anxious. They make you weak. And then they attack. She told them that 
in the room, she smells bourbon, and a lot of it, she asked T-Pain if he drank a lot, and he's like, well, not as much as I used to, and Amber chimes in and was like, yeah, for two years, it was really bad, and it was in this house, and Kim's like, yeah, I think he wants you to drink again, because misery loves company. Damn. Kim says that the spirit never wants him to sleep. It's like he gets more agitated when the house is quiet. So you would fucking hate this spirit, Carrie. Mm -mm. You know why? Why? Don't fuck with my sleep. That's right. (laughs) They go to music's room, the sun, and Amber recounts the moment that the little door opened and T-Pain wanted to leave while she was talking about it. But Kim's like, you don't stay, like stay. And he's like, I don't want to. But he ended up staying. Well, when Amber gets to the part where music told her if she made a circle with her hand, the bad shadow man would leave her alone, Kim's face is shocked. She's like, there's no reason that your young son should know this, but he's correct. If you do that, making a circle with your hand or a sphere, it almost traps the spirit like it's in its web. Because you're creating your own energy, kind of like a portal or a vortex. Kim asked about the little door, and Amber said that what it does, it leads to the garage, but it's not an entrance or anything. It's just, I feel like it's like a chute kind of thing Mm -hmm. that, you know what I mean? It's not anything that you could just like walk up and get to his room or the garage. But Kim was putting two and two together. She's like, garage, where the hearse was, connected to this room with the little door, and like... T-Pain is scared of that little door. She's like, too much of a coincidence to not, to not line up. And she said that she believes T-Pain brought the spirit in with that hearse. Kim said that she believes that the spirit died by suicide by shooting himself in the gut. And that's why Ooh. she was seeing all the bloody linens and stuff and feeling that pressure like in her chest, stomach area. And then she asked T-Pain if he ever thought about taking his own life. And he was like, yeah, multiple times, actually. And I have no reason to be sad, but I just can't shake it. And Kim's like, that's the spirit targeting you because he wants to drive you to that lowest point possible. And if T-Pain does die by suicide, it justifies the spirit's own death in a way to the spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. Shitty logic, but I also get it. Yeah. Well, T-Pain and Kim go out to speak privately after Amber goes to check on the kids. And Kim asks him about the dreads he used to have. And he's like, funny enough, my Uncle Rick came to me in a dream and said, cut him off. Make the change. And that was about the hair, but he also had some negative people around him and was just at a stagnant point and he didn't want to change. But after that dream... And him changing the dreads, he had enough strength to cut those people out of his life. And Kim is like, you're at that point again. And that's why Uncle Rick is trying to protect you and give you guidance. She also instructed him on how to encourage the spirit to, you know, leave, to go to the light, etc. And that's really where it ended. But I did see an article on allhiphop.com. Where T-Pain said that he got some real-life Ghostbusters to come in and cleanse his house. But even at the end of that episode, he's like, I just feel better already. Oh, yeah. Because, again, like you said, justification. And now they're kind of armed with 
okay, this might not just be me internalizing these like feelings or whatever. It's like being thrust on me. Well, and the validation gives them the peace to help them almost like break the ties of like, if it really is a ghost, like giving them these bad feelings by having the validation of those feelings, they're able to take the power back. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the haunting of T-Pain. Dang. That's like, I would have never guessed that's who you were going to do. I know. I don't know. I just love him. And oh, I saw it and I was like, oh my God, I have to watch. Like, it's my boo. <laughs> and then it was like so deep and I don't know. It was just so interesting. And I, I don't know. We have a connection. So, are you doing a celebrity? Are we mind-melding this time? No. Okay. So, while my story isn't about someone famous, the last name sounds famous. <laughs> okay. We are going to talk about the Starbuck family. Mm, okay. So, see, sounds famous, but not like Starbucks. It's just the one buck. Yeah, it's a discounted version. It's a dollar general version. I mean... I was going to go with the Walmart brand, but okay, we're going straight to the Dollar General. Yeah. I mean, no shame. I love that place. Me too. Okay. So picture it. Deer Park, Washington, circa 2011. Oh, recent. The Starbuck family was made up of Clay and Shannon, and Shannon's name is spelled C-H-A-N-I-N. So Clay and Shannon, and they're five kids. Ooh. ooh. I mean... But in 2011, Clay and Shannon were actually divorced for the second time. Mm, okay. So they got together in like 1990, did their thing, had two kids, got divorced, and then reconciled and then had the other three. Makeup sex is the best sex, right? So they say. So at this point, the marriage had gone through dissolution, had like the decree of it, I don't really understand it, but the divorce wasn't final because they were still working out like financial stuff from what I understand. The oldest kids went and lived with Clay and the youngest ones, two girls and a boy, stayed with Shannon. And all through their marriage, Shannon was a stay-at-home mom to all five kids and Clay worked on the Alaskan pipeline. So he was gone like months at a time. And then would come home. And, you know, that was part of what was so hard in their marriage because, you know, she often told him, you're like the Disneyland dad. You know, she's home in the trenches, you know, disciplining and doing homework and cooking and all that stuff. And then when he comes home from work, he's playing with them and, you know, trying to get in all that quality time that he's missed. And so she's like, you're the, you're the Disneyland dad. And so that was really hard in their relationship, you know, plus just the time apart. Well, and she had her routine down mm -hmm. and then he comes and it's like, that's not how we do it, you know? Oh, absolutely. Because I get like that. I'm old and set my ways. Well, even like, because my dad wasn't, well, he's retired now, but he was an insurance adjuster. And so he would be gone for months at a time. I mean, I think the longest he was ever gone was like 18 months one time. Now we saw him for like holidays and mom would like go visit him and all this stuff. So it wasn't like we never saw him. But when he came home, it was like, can you go back to work? Because uh, you here all the time and I'm trying to watch my show and you asking me fucking questions about it. 
And Carrie hates questions. Don't ask me questions while I'm watching something. And it's like you miss them and you want them home. But yes, you've you've developed this routine without them. And then they're like a fish out of water because they're out of their routine too. And then they get, they're trying to, you know, it's just, it's really hard. Like all the people whose spouses and partners work offshore and on the pipeline and all that, it's fucking hard when they've been gone for a while and come back. Well, when he was working, he was making like 10 grand a month. So, I mean, a fuck ton of money. Well, when they started the divorce process, well, the plan, like part of the financial settlement was that he would still financially take care of her because she was a stay-at-home mom this whole time, not working. You know, she had an associate's degree in art, but she wasn't working or anything like that. And so... He was supposed to pay child support and then also her housing and all of that. So Shannon and the kids had a rental house, but Clay was on the lease agreement. And I guess it's because he paid the rent. I don't know, but he was on it. And then he ended up getting a house like half a mile down the road from her. Like it was... I don't know. It just very weird. Like, why would you get a house? Like, I get like for the kids... You know, everybody's on great terms. But I don't know. It was just, but they weren't on that great of terms. Like they made it work because they both loved the kids so much. And so they, they did what they had to do, but they weren't like best friends. Like these are, this is not a couple that's been divorced 15 years and are like best friends now. You know, it just made her uncomfortable. And actually part of the decree of dissolution was a restraining order against him that he couldn't go like to her house or her workplace. And I don't really know why that was it, but I don't know. I don't know. But even though that restraining order was in place, he would still come over and like pick the kids up, take them to school, all of that. Because at this time he's no longer working. So he had some sort of back injury and had to have surgery. And so he wasn't able to work. Well, because he lost his job, because he couldn't go to work because of said back injury, because I don't think it happened on the job. I never really found what the back injury was or what the back surgery was, because trust me, I want to fucking know, because I want to dissect what's happening there. But anyway, so no job equals no money. No money equals behind on child support and spousal support. Shannon ends up having to like get on government assistance for food and that sort of thing. And so she decides, look, I got to go back to work. Like I got to do something. So she enrolls in a dental assistant program at the local college. Her mom had to help her pay for her textbooks and her computer and all that just because she didn't have the money. By October of 2011, Clay is now over $9,000 behind in child support. Fuck. Yes. I think that Shannon was doing her best to be understanding, like, okay, I know you don't have a job, but also, like, we got these three kids that I'm taking care of. So, because uh, the ones that were staying with him weren't minors. They, I mean, they were, like, I think one was, like, 21. I can't remember how old the other one was. But they were grown. They could, you know, fend for themselves. Well, around this time, 
Shannon decides, like, look, it's time for a change. I'm going back to school, bettering myself, trying to make some money for the, you know, to take care of the kids, all the things. It's time I do something for myself. And she finds a dating website that is specifically targeted towards Mormons. It's like an LDS dating website. So she decides to make herself a little profile. And I mean, ping, 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 ping. I mean, she's getting all kinds of stuff because she's just beautiful and, you know, all the things. She's known for her smile. Like the people that she went to school with are like, she's exactly who you would think would be a dental assistant. Like she's got this big, beautiful smile with like these gorgeous big teeth, you know, like yeah. she just, you just kind of, you were drawn to her smile. So of course her little profile is, it's all the rage. Yeah. So she has a few guys that she's talking to, you know, little dates here and there, that kind of thing. But sometimes when she comes home, she notices weird shit. Like, one time she came home and, like, she goes to flick the lights and it's like, why are the fucking lights coming on? But, like, everything else is working. Like, the refrigerator's right. Like, it's not the power's out. Like, what the fuck is going on? And somebody had come in and, like, unscrewed all the light bulbs. What? Like, could that not be a thread... On Facebook, you know how they do like oh, they, you're you're a burglar is. and what's the one like what's the thing you do and like how many people say they're gonna take the light bulbs? Well, this motherfucker just unscrewed them all. And so she's like, What the hell? Like she gets all the light bulbs screwed in. She's like, wait, somebody like knocked over the grill? Like what like what the fuck? So she calls the police and she does a police report, and there's no sign of like breaking and entering. And so while they file a police report, they're like, this is probably just a prank. Like, it was probably your kids. Like, it was probably just a prank. And she's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, well, she probably didn't say fuck. But she's like, I don't give a fuck. Either way, file the police report. Other weird stuff is happening around the house. Like, a window broken in her car. You know, just her just noticing, like, shit's out of place. Like, somebody's fucking been in this house. You know, she can't put her finger on it, but shit's just not where it's supposed to be. So she ends up installing like hidden security cameras in the house. Cause she's like, I, I got to find out who, who the fuck is coming in. Like, because she is doing the online dating thing and you yeah. know, it is dangerous. It's definitely more normalized now. Like it's mm -hmm. not like the way it was 20 years ago where it's like, Oh my God, you're online dating. Anytime you're putting yourself out there where you're meeting with strangers and where they could falsify who they are, you're putting yourself at, at risk. Dating in general is putting yourself at risk because, I mean, you meet someone at a bar, you don't know. Oh, yeah. It's exactly the yeah. same thing. Like, so it's just so hard. Unless it's truly a mutual friend, it really is like a shot in the dark. Yeah. And like a good mutual friend, not just like an acquaintance mm -hmm. because – you don't know them that well, so, like, you don't know what they're all about. I mean, also, I believe in conspiracy theories, if you can't tell, because I'm like, you don't know what they're all about. <laughs> <laughs> Even stuff like she would get flowers, like, on her doorstep that had no card. Like, the card would be there, but it would be completely blank. What the hell? And then one time, she got a package, and it was actually from Clay, and guess what it was? A vibrator. Yes! Oh, my God. Sorry, that was so loud. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and the note basically said, like, 
since like you can't have me kind of thing, here you go or something <laughs> like you that. Positive vibes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> How the fuck did you know that? Hello. True. <laughs> so she was just like, uh, this is weird. But that is totally weird. Very weird. No. At least it wasn't one of those molded of his dick. He wouldn't have splurged on that. Those are expensive. Meanwhile, it was probably like one of those bullets that he could actually control <laughs> from a distance yes. on an app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so on December 1st, 2011, Clay calls Shannon, and he was supposed to take the kids to school that morning, which he did a lot, but he was like, hey, the car died, can you please take him to school? And she's like, fuck, okay, yes, you know, I got shit to do, but sure. Shannon takes the kids to school, and that day, she had a date planned. Well, she goes home, and at 9.18 a.m., Shannon's phone calls 911. Oh, shit. And it just makes like a kind of garbled noise. But like as a 911 operator's asking like, hey, how can I help you kind of thing? And the operator didn't hear anything. The phone call only lasted 35 seconds. And when they called it back, the you know, the dispatcher called it back. It went straight to voicemail. Some things say that the protocol that dispatcher should have called back again and then, like, sent help, basically. But somehow there was a breakdown in the protocol, and that's where it ended. So now it's after school, okay, same day, just hours later, and Shannon was supposed to pick the kids up from school, and she didn't show. So one of the daughters texted her at 2.45 and was like, who's going to pick us up? And Shannon responded 20 minutes later that said, Dad, I have a headache. Stay there. And then Shannon sent a text to Clay that said, I just woke up. Can you pick up the kids? Clay didn't get the text because his phone was off. And so one of the older kids went and picked up the younger kids and took them to Clay's house. Later that night, one of the sons had a basketball game, and Shannon didn't come to that. And so they were like, what the fuck? So they went to the house to see, like, hey, where are you, you know? And she didn't answer. It was The door was locked. The house was dark. And so they were like, okay, well, I mean, she did have a date. Like, maybe she just got kind of wrapped up, and she's still there, you know? So he just took the kids home with him. The next day, he called the Spokane Sheriff's Department and was like, hey, can y'all just go check on her? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, she didn't come to the game. You know, she probably, again, just got wrapped up in a date. But like, can you just go check? Well, when they go check, the house is dark. The door's locked. There's a package out front. Like, there's nothing to indicate that anyone's home. They knocked. Nobody answered. And so, there was no... Nothing in, like, immediate danger. They had no warrant. Nothing to even obtain a warrant. So they they had to leave. Well, one of the kids called Shannon's mom. 
she didn't live in the area, but they were like, hey, have you heard from mom? You know, because Shannon and her mom talked on the phone every single day. So it would make, if anybody had heard from her, her mom would have, you know? Yeah. And Shannon's mom is like, no, I haven't heard from her. So the mom calls the sheriff's department and is like, can you please do a wellness check? Like, this is not like her, whatever. Well, this time the sheriff's department had the landlord meet them there and unlock the door. When they walk in the house, they look around, you know, everything seems to be pretty normal. But then when they get into her bedroom, they found Shannon laying on the bed and she was naked, had bruises all over her Mm. and was very provocatively posed. Oh, gosh. So there was only a mattress pad on the bed. The blanket was like folded on the floor. The bed sheets were we're not even in the room and like, okay. So her body had her shirt. Like it was like, I think it was a button up open. And then there was a dildo in her vagina. Oh my gosh. And her hands were placed like, like she was masturbating. There was a gun safe in her bedroom and it was open and it had like all of her sex toys and stuff in it, like, out in the open. This is what I don't understand. If Clay was on the lease, why did they need the landlord? Like, why couldn't he just be like, no, come unlock the house? Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. But maybe that information that I had about him being on the lease was wrong. I don't know. So, cause of death was that she was strangled with something soft. So, like, a towel or even, like, a chokehold. But... She also had a bunch of broken ribs. Oh, gosh. 11, to be exact. And a spot where someone had used a stun gun on her. (gasps) Yeah. She had a bit of a brain bleed, like, from a a big blow to the head. And her, like, hyoid bone from around her trachea was broken. Her wrist had, like, ligature marks, basically, that she had been bound in some way. Yeah. And the coroner said that it looked as if she she died on December 1st, and which is the day that she didn't pick the kids up, and that she had been face down when she died, but then she was moved to the bed. Wow. And again, posed that way. She was, like, beaten so badly that at the funeral, one of her younger kids was like, that doesn't even look like her. Oh, my gosh. So Clay's trying to figure out like what the fuck is going on. He's like, I go by my, I go by our house and like there's all this caution tape. Like what the fuck is going on? And so they bring him down to the sheriff's department to interview him, and just to you know, as they do anybody that's involved in someone who's been murdered's life. So Clay goes and he tells detectives she's doing this online dating. She's seeing a few different guys. And he keeps saying, like, just look at her phone and her computer. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Well, while they have him there, they get a DNA sample from him and the sons because they were able to get DNA from underneath Shannon's fingernails and her neck and face. All of this, and you know I focus on the most random detail, but I am fuming over here how they posed her and exposed the sex toys, like trying to make her 
seem, you know, like dirty, mm-hmm. like, oh, she's a slut, so she was asking for it. We'll get there. Hold your hold your horses. Okay. So they found they found a bunch of DNA. There were three unidentified males, and they found DNA that was like a strand of DNA from like the Starbucks DNA line. It didn't necessarily say like if it was her sons or Clay or what have you. And so they were like, well, you know, I mean, they were always there. You know, there's a chance, you know, whatever. So that was nothing was concrete based on the DNA. So they go to look at the cell phone records because when you just look through somebody's phone, your phones don't save a record of you dialing 911. So let's say you get kidnapped and you call 911 and they don't know it. Like your captor doesn't know it. If they could look through your phone, they won't see that you called 911. Really? Yeah. So. I want to try it now. Do not. I'm not. Do not try it. I'm not. Of course you want to try it. Well, because I just never knew that. Though it carries my emergency contact and sometimes when I put my phone in my bra, it'll push it and it calls her. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in that sentence. So <laughs> we're just going to leave that in her sweaty bra. I mean, it's my kangaroo pouch, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Moving along. So they look at her cell phone records and they go, holy shit, she called 911 at you know, nine seventeen that morning. And so they pull up the tape and they, the tape, how old am I? They pull up the recording and they're like, okay, well that tells us nothing, but it at least gives us a time of something. Yeah. So they see that she had been talking to a guy named Tom Walker. They'd met like three weeks before and they had a date scheduled for the following Monday. Well, Tom texts Shannon at like 10.50 and was like, hey, how's your day going? Blah, blah, blah. And she replies at 12.10 and says, do you want to meet for lunch? And he's like, well, I can't because I have to go to work. And then she texts back asking if he was on his way to lunch. And he's like, no, I can't. And she stops responding to his text. And he's like, well, this is weird. Like, we have plans for like two days from now. Like, He had work, and then he had a funeral he had to go to that day, and then he was going back to work. So it was like he did not have time to meet somebody for lunch, you know? I mean, the man had a fucking funeral to go to. (laughs) Chill. Well, the police found another guy on her cell phone named John Wilson. Well, John Wilson had plans to meet her at her house at 1030 that morning. And so he went to her house, according to him, knock, knock, knock. She didn't answer. So he like went to this payphone to call her, called her a bunch of times, and she never answered. And so he was like, All right, drove to Whitworth College, tried to instant message her from the school computer. She's still not answering. Well, at noon, he gets a text from her and she asks if he had come by. And he was like, Yeah, I came. You know, nobody was there. And he was like, are you coming back soon? And then he was like, I'll just see you at 1030 tonight. Well, she responded, no, not tonight. I have a headache and I will have Clay take the kids. And so she was like, so he was like, wait, you want me to come at like 930? And she was like, no, another hour. Like it made no sense. But 
later that night, he went back to her house, knocked on the door. Nobody's there. It's dark. And so he's like, okay, you know. Ghosted. So police start doing some more digging in these two men. Police find out that she and funeral home guy were very sexual, had been sexting, that kind of thing. And he had actually asked her to send him a picture in that pose. Ooh. So the police are like, skirt, hold the phone. Like you, like literally hold the phone. You want a picture of her in this pose that she's found in that same pose when she's dead. All I think is Clay did it. He went through her phone, saw that and was like, then did it. So the police like check his alibi and he was in fact work funeral work. So it wasn't him. Okay. So they're like, okay, let's check out. Hey, Mr. Wilson. (laughs) And they're like, who the fuck is this guy? Because all the times that he messages her, he's like on a public computer. And then like when he called her, he was on a payphone. Yeah. Who is he? Dirty John? Right. And so they're like, let's, let's like look his picture up. And they're like, oh, this is like a doctor that lives in New York. And his name isn't John Wilson. Yeah. So fake picture, fake name, who this is. Oh, shit. Catfished. So police do their thing and they figure out his name is actually John Kenling. And all the secrecy, duh, he married. Mm-hmm. And he's a teacher. Oh. And so he was trying to keep his affairs and his online dating shit hush-hush. Well, guess who else has an alibi? Him. Mm-hmm. Let me just say, ladies and gents, please download a reverse image search app. Yes. Or use Google, Bing, Yandex. I don't give a fuck what you use. But if you're on a dating site and someone seems too good to be true, or not, fucking do a reverse image search mm-hmm. on them because... So, okay, if you don't know what that is, you can take a picture and reverse image search it. If you don't know what that, like, how to do it, just, like, Google how to do a reverse image search. Mm -hmm. And you can literally upload the picture. So, if they have it, take a screenshot of it, crop it out, upload it on the thing. And if it's anywhere on the internet, it will tell you. So, if they bought that picture or they stole it from a doctor in fucking New York, it's going to tell you. This is where they got this picture. Yeah. Like, I'm not even joking. I have, like, found someone on, like, a Russian porn site before and was like, screenshot that, send them to him. You a fucking catfish. Goodbye. Yeah. Good try. Although I probably shouldn't have told them how I figured them out, but just deleted them. But I had to be like, you <laughs> fucking dumb. I can Google. Right. So just protect yourself. Definitely. And if they don't have a picture... They're married. They're married. Or they ugly. (laughs) Or they're both. Something is going on. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, though, it was fun to just, like, swipe on them to see what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just to see what they would say. Like, do you really think I'm that dumb? Is what, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like a, because I want to be like, why don't you have a picture? And they'll mm-hmm. be like, um, because of the profession that I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, mm, what do you do? Well, um, I'm in the medical field. What do you do? 
you know, yeah. and it's like, you keep like teasing it out. And it's like, no, there's literally no reason for you to not have, you know what I mean? Yeah. So just be cautious because there's, I don't know, just be cautious. The other thing that police found on her phone was that there was a text sent to one of the kids later saying, you know, dad's coming to pick you up type thing. Like tell Marsh dad's going to pick him up. And that is what Clay Mm. shortened their son Marshall's name to. Uh Uh-huh. Well, when his phone was turned off. Mm, That's the big red uh flag. Yeah. So his phone was basically turned off from the time he called her and said, hey, my car is fucked up. Can you take the kids to like 340 that afternoon? Wow. And even the guys that she was texting that day were like, it just wasn't her jargon. Like, you know, you can yes. usually kind of tell if it's like somebody else texting from somebody's phone. Mm-hmm. So it was premeditated because he wanted her out of the house while he could go in. Basically, yeah. Well, the police do more digging and they're like, okay, tell us about like your car breaking down. And he says, like, he takes police to like where it broke down and that. He had to like walk back and forth like four times to fix the thing and all the things. Well, and so while the police are like digging on the route to like see like, you know, boots on the ground, like canvas in the area. Mm -hmm. Nobody remembers seeing him. And oh, by the by, somebody has a security camera. Mm. And when you say you're walking by, you're not walking by. Right. Don't do an elaborate story because that's so easy to... Holes in. Exactly. Another thing happened when they were running the DNA of all the sons. The firstborn, like, after they got back together, it and Clay's. <gasps> oh, shit. Yeah, so while they were separated, she had gotten pregnant by somebody else. They got back together and just raised it as Clay's. Whoa. I don't know if Clay knew. Like, I don't know if he, that was a bombshell to him. I don't fucking know. The other thing that they found was basically all of Shannon's people hated Clay. They were like, he's controlling, he's manipulative, he's all the things. Like, she was trying her best to, like, get away from him, become financially independent from him. Again, he was behind on all his child support, all his payments, like... He would just, like, let's say that he came to pick the kids up. He's, like, looking at her calendar, seeing what she's got coming up. You know, like... Yeah. All the thing, You know, just just mm-hmm. keeping tabs on her when it wasn't his fucking business. Which is why he moved down. Yes. Well, police find spyware on her computer and stuff. Because there were even messages that were, like, emails to men and would be, like, yeah, email me here because, like... She thought that he, like, like went through her phone and stuff. Oh, wow. But uh, he had a spyware on her computer and saw all the keystrokes. Yeah. Which, how you said, like, you think Clay looked at her phone and all of that and got the, the posing thing. Yeah, because he had spyware on everything. Yeah. He saw everything she did because nothing was a secret. God, such an invasion of privacy. Yes. Yes. Well, police ended up arresting Clay on February 9th of 2012. They arrest him on one count of aggravated first-degree murder with five aggravating factors and one count of sexually violating human remains. 
Wow. Okay. So it goes to trial. And of fucking course, Clay's defense team wants to rake Shannon over the coals Mm -hmm. with her dating history. And listen, I like got this story done and was like, let me just see if there's a podcast about this. It was a motherfucking dateline. Like an hour and a half long dateline episode. (laughs) I was like, God damn it. Like I'm on the way home to do this story. And I I find this, you know, this podcast. So on this dateline podcast, they actually like have his defense attorneys. Well, because you know, it's like the show that they just played. Okay. His fucking defense attorneys. I wanted to punch this bitch in her fucking face because she says, she was talking to so many men and like sexually to all of them. And Keith Morrison leans was like, how many? <laughs> and he's like, two, five, 20, you know? And she's like, I would say at least 10. And I'm like, I, I mean, that's I don't average. Feel like that, yeah. I don't feel like that's a lot. Like, I mean, okay. You have them juggling. You got to see, you got to weigh it out. And- yeah. I mean, at any point, it's totally normal to be talking to, like, at least five people on a dating site. Yeah. And then you kind of figure it out. I mean, a little sex in here and there. Figure out. Okay, mm-hmm. y'all got the same interests. Okay, okay, okay. Do you want to meet? Exactly. And it's okay that she had some of those men that she only met for sex. Yes. So, fuck you and your fucking slut shaming because... She could have sex with whomever, whenever she fucking wanted to. She was safe. Her kids weren't involved. It's nobody's fucking business. Right. I was pissed at the slut shaming. And they're like, there was like 10 guys. It was over months. Oh, my God. So, like, let's say that she talks to two people a week that she's like, okay, like, I think I'm hit, we're hitting it off. We're texting back and forth. Like, okay, well, what do you like sexually? What do you like sexually? What are you into? What are you into? Okay, so five weeks and that's ten people. Yeah. That's not that much. No. And even if she met all ten, so? Yeah. I just, the, the slut shaming was just beyond me. Like, I. When he fucking sent her a dildo. Like, you know what I mean? Well, he did that because he's being an asshole Uh because she's dating. Oh, I know. But I mean, like, okay, pervert. I mean, I like those kind of gifts. But I'm just saying, if you're trying trying to be all pure. Yeah. Well, luckily, I say luckily, the judge threw it out. He was like, this is prejudice. Like, you can't, this can't, you can't use all this. Like, it's whatever, you know? And, of course, the defense is like, well, y'all didn't clear every single person that she had spoken to. And they're like, well, we did fake John and the funeral guy. So, like, these are the people that she's talking to. You know what I mean? And uh, all signs point to Clay. Right. Like, this wasn't like police were like, it's Clay. It's only Clay. You know, they really looked at other people. Yeah. Who's active in her life? Yes, and who's sending text messages from her phone using their lingo? Mm -hmm. Clay. While they're at trial, the defense has to change tactics, obviously, because they can't slut shame her on the stand. So they decide to attack the police's investigation. Stuff like I said, you know, they didn't interview every single person that she had slept with since her divorce. 
heaven for fucking bid. Right. They just, you know, like, they didn't test some of the fingerprints. There was apparently a drop of blood they didn't test. You know, that kind of stuff. But the evidence that was presented pointed to Clay. Mm -hmm. Now, the prosecution called some of the kids to testify. But they weren't prosecution witnesses. None of the kids believe that their dad did it. Wow. They all, to this day, believe that Clay is innocent. So, Clay even takes a stand. Blah, 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 blah. He's guilty. Yeah, he has no alibi. No alibi. His phone's turned off with the fake car trouble, all the things. Like, no. He is over $9,000 behind. He has $4,000 basically a month in expenses that he has to pay for her. So, literally, every single month, he's getting almost five grand behind. Yeah. He's not working. I don't even know if he's on disability yet because apparently the surgery was only like four months ago. So, then they had his doctor say, well, his surgery was only four months ago. So, he's probably not strong enough to have done this i'm like uh well he used a goddamn stun gun so yeah uh, a mouse could fucking strangle her when she's down with a stun gun and strapped down yeah there ligature marks on her fucking arms he stunned her tied her down and then fucking strangled her yeah not that hard well so guess what the kids and clay are saying now so he's convicted Mandatory life sentence, no possibility of parole. A bunch of appeals have been denied. The kids are still behind Clay saying he didn't do this. Justice for Clay, all the things. Oh, my gosh. They're trying to blame this on Israel Keys. No. They said that Israel Keys was arrested like a month after Clay. So, like, Israel Keys would not have been on police's radar because nobody knew about him Mm -hmm. yet. And that he had killed relatively in the area, you know, in the Washington area. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, I mean, it it could be him. I don't feel like that murder fits his M.O. No. Of the posing and everything. Not at all. Like, that was very specific. That posing was 100% him being angry, jealous. And an and, incel. And, yes. A vindictive fucking incel of... Her dating, him being jealous, and him trying to belittle her in every fucking possible way. He probably wanted the kids to find her that way. Uh Uh-huh. And also, she had his DNA under her fingernails. Well, the DNA that was under her fingernails was never, like, specifically matched to him. All they had was that it was that, like, familial DNA. Like, Mm. it was a Starbucks DNA. Like a Starbucks DNA. Like it knew it was a male Starbucks DNA. So they had to look at the kids. Uh I mean, obviously they knew. Like the positioning and the posing of the body, that would have to be a very angry son to do that to their mother. And they weren't there. The kids also said that there was a very different side of Shannon that nobody knew. And that like she had had all these affairs on Clay and that she had been... What did they say? They said that she had been online dating basically like since like 1994. And it was like, oh my God, you know what that seems like? He's feeding them all of this shit 
1994? That seems... Was there online dating in 1994? Yeah. Oh, okay. Girl, when AOL came out, online dating was there. Yeah, but I don't... Did AOL come out that early? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. There's just so much to this story, though, that it's like you can totally see. I mean, I hate to say like how the kids are brainwashed because if something happened to my mom, I would not. It would be so hard to believe that my dad did it. But like you have to have some. I mean, I don't know. But look at Michael Peterson's kids. I mean, they're on his side, too, you know? Well, because I think the son did it and he covered it up. But you get the the point, though. Like, it's like, I mean, you know, do you are you that disillusioned because you've already lost a mom you don't want to lose your dad too but i mean some of the kids already chose him you know because mm-hmm. they were already living with him and then what it comes out that one of the kids isn't actually biologically him and like the grandma tried to get custody of him shannon's mom and the oldest son like petitioned the court to get custody of them and so they went to him and not the grandma so the grandmother is like clay fucking did it and the yeah. kids are like, no, he didn't. So the grandmother has lost her daughter and all five of her grandkids. Wow. You know who he reminds me of? Josh Powell. Yes. Yep. And, I mean, luckily he didn't hurt the kids. But, you know, like. He being Clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Josh hurt the kids. But, like, everything about him, how he's acting, and that's when, like, all of the stuff that – She's had all these affairs and she's had all of this like bad mouthing their mom to them mm-hmm. to again be like, I'm the victim. Well, because too, why would you not believe him? You know what I mean? Because there's no telling what how long he had been telling them stuff. You uh-huh. know? Like if I mean, the minute he found out that she was dating, he was probably like pumping them for information. Like, well, mm-hmm. how many dates has she been on? Da, 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 da. You know, trying to get all the information from them. So, I mean. Who knows how long this has gone on? Oh, right. But it was 1,000% premeditated because the police say that they think that he called her, said, hey, my car broke down. Can you take the kids? And then when she was like, you know, finishing up getting them ready right before she left, he like ran over to the house. As soon as she like lifted up the garage and left before she closed it, he was like, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Because, again, there was no breaking and entering. hmm It's so senseless, that killing, you know? But it was, what, two of the three most common yeah. reasons for death? Money and sex. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she got justice. I think she did. I mean, I truly think that he did it. I do, too. I mean, there's whole websites about, like, that he didn't do it that's got, like, quotes from him, quotes from the kids. Well, here's the thing. Why did you lie to police about the whole car thing? Mm-hmm. And why was your phone off? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. One, one more quick thing about the phone. The kids say that his phone was off because of his back surgery. He was too weak to get it and turn it on. Oh, fuck that. But, but if you're believing his alibi, he walked mm-hmm. back and forth all of this thing. Four times. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. fixed the car. Yeah. Bent over the car, tinkered with it, walked back to go get another tool, mm-hmm. tinkered with the car. Like, yeah, they probably thought he was that weak because that's, again, he's playing the victim. Mm-hmm. Playing the fucking victim. Just like, oh my gosh, just like the Golden State Killer, 
they have those yes. things where he's like, oh, I'm so feeble and all that. And then he is playing the floor is lava in his fucking cell. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. <laughs> yes. He, yes. Okay. If y'all don't know what she's talking about. So the Golden State Killer, you know how every time he's, they take a picture of him or he goes for like any type of thing in court where he's, you know, anything where a camera's going to be. He's like in a wheelchair and he's like, oh, oh, I can't move. Well, there is, because he's now he's finally sentenced. Thank God. They were able to like release footage from his jail cell and this motherfucker, like, does fucking, like, aerobics in there. He's fucking nimble as fuck. He, like, legitimately, like, climbs on the table to, like, hang stuff up on the wall. Like, he's all over that jail cell doing all the things. Walking, bending, stooping, crawling, climbing. Like, he's in better shape than I am. <laughs> right? No fucking lie. And... Damn. And and, and it, that's the thing, too, about, like, trials and all of that. Because it is. It's a fucking mind game. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to do everything they can, just like Jodi Arias, dyeing her uh-huh. hair, cutting bangs, wearing her glasses. You know, just like they said, like, with OJ. I mean, I don't know how true this is, but, you know, you heard he had bad arthritis. And so he quit taking his arthritis medicine a few days before the trial. So when he put the gloves on, the glove didn't fit because his hands were swollen. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. It's like, it's such a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's real and what's not? I don't know. It truly comes down to sometimes who has the best attorney. Yeah. Not always, because, I mean, obviously, it depends on what the evidence is, too. But, like, when it's those trials like Michael Peterson, OJ, you know, you got those trials like that mm-hmm. that are like, I don't fucking know which way this is going. It really does come down to who's the better attorney. Who's the more manipulative attorney? Yeah. And who can paint the evidence to portray what they want it to? Right. Because you can skew data to make it say whatever the fuck you want it to uh-huh. say. I mean, even just look at COVID rates or, you know, even like, okay, the divorce rate's 50%, right? Well, let's say that 100 people get married in a year, but there are 10,000 couples that are married and there are 50 divorces. Well, they say it's 50% because it's 50% of the people who got married that year. But it's not those people. It's of everybody. Right. So it's like you can skew the data to say whatever. Yeah, 50% of people who – 50% of marriages do end in divorce when you look at the numbers like that. Yeah. But if you look at, okay, it's 50 people out of 10,000, it's not that high. Yeah. Now we're just getting off on the – we're just getting off, but I was just about to say, also, like, expert witnesses and stuff. Yes. So many things have come out of, no, they fucked that up because that's a lie. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things. Well, you can hire an expert witness to say whatever you want them to say. Mm-hmm. An unethical one. Right. But even, I wish I could remember this case because it would be such a good one to do, but it was a case where. Maybe, a oh God, you know, my memory sucks. But it was a dad that, like, went to jail for murdering his kids because of a fire. And they said that there was an accelerant that, like, whooshed it up the stairs, which trapped the kids and killed them. Well, no, come to find out, that was, like, bunk science. 
And it was when he opened the front door to go get help, that burst of oxygen whooshed it up the stairs. And that's what killed him. Wow. He, it wasn't arson. Yeah. It was, he didn't do it and he ended up getting out, but it's like, well, you had an arson investigator at the trial that said, no, he did this. This is an accelerant. Mm -hmm. And then you have this other investigator that's an expert that says, no, he did not do this. Mm -hmm. But like, really, he didn't do this. And so it's just like, well, fuck, you've got two experts telling you the same shit. Yeah. The guy we hate, Ted Bundy, the expert with him, they had a mold of his teeth, Mm -hmm. but he was like rolling it weird on the thing. It was like, see, it matches up. But it didn't match up all the time and stuff, yes. but it was how he was doing it and just all, like, God, you know? Well, because if you want something to match, you can make it match. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't know how we got on that tangent, but we did. Well, I'm glad you did this right before I was going to re-download Tinder. I mean, may or may not have done that on purpose. Uh-huh. <laughs> See? Manipulative. <laughs> you rang? <laughs> I really like that story, though. Like, Wasn't it so good? Got fucking heated. I mean, not good, but you get what I mean. Yeah. There's just so much to it. Yeah. Whew. All right. Well, too, I was like, it's, he's going to kill her. Clay's going to kill her. But then you did those other two, and I was like, well, I feel bad if I just, like, jump to conclusions about old Clay, but fuck him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not always the husband. But it's always the husband. <laughs> it's not always the wife, but it's always the wife. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Especially if they're divorced and one person is moving on and thriving and the other one is a victim. Mm-hmm. A self-imposed victim. I was going to say, a classic narcissist in the truest sense of the word. I mean, I feel like we say like narcissist now just like willy-nilly. Like we say, oh, I'm so OCD, which is not accurate and it really belittles like the true psychological meaning of it but like no in the truest clinical sense of narcissist that's what clay was yeah well y'all tell us what y'all think just to reiterate like one more time how thankful we are for how patient everyone was these past couple weeks yes while we tried to uh well donna tried to survive and I tried to figure out all the shit that she does on the podcast behind the (laughs) scenes that I'm just like, hey, so how does the email work? (laughs) (laughs) What's her password? No, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. But uh, she does a fuck ton. And you probably noticed because we went silent on social media. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, yes. Thank y'all so much. It really does mean a lot. We love y'all as much as y'all apparently love us. Who yes. knew? I mean, <laughs> golly, y'all are fucking amazing. And y'all are the reason why we do this. We have so much fun and we love getting to know y'all. And it's touching to see that this little old podcast is touching y'all's lives in the same way that y'all are touching ours. Definitely. So thank you all so very much. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.